Right. You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad, and uh, Hot Docs is starting towards the end of this week in Toronto. Uh, it is a film festival featuring documentaries from around the world, and there are three Irish participants in the festival this year and they're they're presented with challenges that have not been the case in other years because normally it's held in Toronto it's on the big screen it gives the opportunity for directors to come meet with people meet with the industry and all the rest of it but this year because of COVID-19 it presents challenges and we talk about that during the show today one of the movies that we have that is going to be on is called Tension Structures and it's by Fergal Ward and Adrian Duncan and um, Tension Structures, it's a new film that uh, the world premiere came up at the IDFA Documentary Film Festival in Amsterdam and uh, the the film follows an unnamed engineer as he undertakes a rail trip from the site of a long demolished bridge in a quiet Bavarian town to a giant cloud made of fabric in Paris. And as the journey unfolds, a series of of ambitious tensile structures from the recent and distant past are revealed, all holding different promises of utopian future. And the film explores the structural and social forces affecting a continent on the brink of fracture, forging unexpected connections between some of these structures and the tensions surrounding the Gillette Jean protests. Um, and I have Adrian Duncan here to talk to me. Adrian, thanks a million, first of all, for coming along. My pleasure, Austin. Thank you. And I have to ask the first question. Are you an engineer? Yes, I worked as a structural engineer for about... Um, I studied and worked as a structural engineer for over 15 years. Um, and then in about 2008, uh, um, it was around the time that the, the building market collapsed, I went back to study fine arts in college and I went, started studying also creative writing up at the Irish Writers' Centre in Dublin. So my background was engineering and then over the last decade or so I've been working in the visual arts and writing. So the engineering background has, I would say, gener- definitely influenced the sort of work I make in the visual arts, in writing and then in, in the filmmaking that I do with Fergal and myself. So... Um Structural tensions, it seems like a strange subject to focus on for a documentary and to to present. What was it that inspired you to say, this is something worthy of of putting out there? Yeah, um, well, our first, our initial interest in the whole project was... um, through the work of the Irish engineer Peter Rice. Um, Peter Rice was born in Dundalk in the mid-1930s and he died in the early 1990s. And he was considered in Europe and around the world through the 70s and 80s as being one of the most talented and innovative structural engineers in, in the world. He was most sought after by very, very high, um, very, very important architects and des- designers. Um, some of the buildings that he worked on, so he was, one of his first jobs, he was a site engineer on the Sydney Opera House. Um, and then he came back to uh, mainland Europe after that work that he did with Ove Arabs, which was an engineering firm who designed, who did the structural design of that building. And he started receiving work in mainland Europe, so he was working a lot with uh, in Paris and France. Um, 
and some, and sometimes in England. Um, so one of his other main buildings was the, the Pompidou Centre. Um, another one was the Pavilion of the Future in Seville. Um, another one was the Lloyds Bank Building in London. And then another one was the uh, La Villette um, glass boxes out in, uh, in northern Paris. So myself and Fergal, I've had a, I've had a huge interest in Peter Rice, not just in terms of his 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 the his brilliant design um, and his brilliant designs and his brilliant capacity for designs, but also the politics that he had and that his design showed. Um, so the the buildings that we focused on in Paris were the Pompidou Centre, um, which he was the engineer on. Um, La Nouage, which is the cloud, which is out in uh, La Défense. It's in a huge big, uh, between a big sort of um, uh, rectilinear arch, I suppose, out in La Défense, which is kind of a strange business and commercial district on the west side of Paris, the east, west side of Paris. Um, the glass boxes at La Villette, which is a sort of a science and industry centre. And then, um, what was the other building? In Oh yeah, then an, an inverted pyramid as well at the um, a glass pyramid mm-hmm. that's inverted at the um, at the Louvre in Central Paris. So there were lots of there were a few other buildings, bridges and things like that that he was involved in. But those were the main landmark buildings. So that was our kind of way in. So first of all, we sort of focused on making a film um, that used my my engineering knowledge, let's say, but also Fergus and my skills in, in filmmaking and writing to bring people on a journey to these buildings and to sort of talk about them in a way that people could understand how they worked. Mm. And that was sort of the first way into that project. And then after we did that, we started, we realized that whilst we were making the film, that all of these Gilets Jean protests were going on in Paris at that time. So then we thought that it might be interesting if we were to look at these structures, and all of them are these kind of tension structures, and... It would be interesting to look at these structures as analogies for the sort of societal um, uh, ruptures that were going on, or societal sense of status that were going on, or societal problems that were going on in Paris at that time. So that's what Tension Structures became. It became a sort of essay film where we used one set of structures, the buildings of Peter Rice, um, to talk about another set of structures, the societal ruptures and problems and confusions that are happening in uh, Paris, even to now, and throughout France, and to a certain extent in certain parts of Europe as well, particularly with the sort of shifts in political um, political positioning in, in Europe over the last, say, five, ten years. But mostly it's the Paris, the Paris aspect that we really love. Going back to tension structures on, on the construction side of it briefly for a moment, like I remember there was a great, I won't say hullabaloo, but certainly... Um, change in perspective or something when the central bank in Ireland originally was created that would have been a tension structure as based on what I'm hearing in a way that uh, and it would have been my first exposure to something because it was very different exactly yeah yeah and you're right that is a tension structure in that there's a, a central core and then all the floors are hung down off the top and yeah. uh, the tension rods that go down and build as they, as they go down. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a really good example of a, of a tension structure. And tension structures, they look, they look different to normal structures. Yeah. The normal structures are usually compression. They're all just weight. You know, right. things put on top of each other and they have, an, they have a sort of an inertia and a stability because of that. But tension structures are reliant on things being constantly in balance. Right. Um, and that's why they look precarious compared to, say, 
you know, your normal buildings. Right. So the central bank would be a very good example. Um, and certain bridges as well would be tension structures as well. And right. to see them in, as buildings is strange. To see them in bridges is less strange. Correct. Um, but yeah, the central bank would be a perfect example of a sort of a top-down tension structure. Yeah. And um, as you were talking, one of the other things that went through my head, I remember, and it wouldn't have been a tension structure, but I remember in a previous life I was involved in um, emergency management communications, and I think it is the emergency management communication center in Sacramento or in California is on ball bearings, effectively. Oh, okay. So it's that in the event of an earthquake, the, mm. bu- the building will not, will, can literally roll mm. on mm. these mm. giant ball bearings Uh, and it's a thing that we don't think about in life is architecture and the impact how it's very much a part of our life and as you said with with tension structures yeah bridges we're very familiar with it but not in buildings yeah Yeah. so then um, since you put that together and it's been out there and and you premiered it um, what has the response been like how has it been received um, well, we showed it in IDFA, which is in Amsterdam last year. Uh, yeah. yeah, we showed it there. Um, and it was received, um, yeah, quite well. I think people were quite interested in it. I mean, I, there was another film made about Peter Rice last year called An Engineer Imagines, or the year before last. And um, it talks about his work in a sort of more biographical sense. So, and in terms of all of his work that he did around the world. Um, he was involved in some a lot of a lot of other very very interesting projects, um, but our one was a very sort of focused look at a very particular set of structures, um, and I think because of the nature with which we made the film, so what we do is we're not it's not done with talking heads and it's not done with experts describing what's happening. What we've done is that we have a figure who is this researcher, who is kind of me and kind of Fergal, and we follow him through these different sites. So what you get is you encounter each of these buildings um, with, a, with a series of different cameras, so a handheld camera, um, a movie camera, but then also we use a drone camera once or twice. And what we do is we show the building or the structure in a very, very um, kind of... We look at it the way an engineer would look at it, as opposed to maybe how an architect would look at it. And whilst we're looking at, at it in that rather focused way, or hopefully focused way, we're describing what's happening um, and why, how the thing is working. So the aim is that when someone looks at the film, that they, through looking at the film and through all of these different tools that you have in filmmaking, that someone looking at the film can actually, hopefully, understand a little bit better how the structure is working. And then, whilst we are doing that, then we intercut these um, descriptions or these uh, explanations, let's say, of these structures with other types of societal structures to see, and we produce these analogies then that mm-hmm. are hopefully become quite fluid. And in IDFA, at least, um, people responded pretty pretty well to it. And it was shown in Ireland as well, and it was shown in Cork. And I think, um, from what I could gather from the Q&As after the film, mm-hmm. um, I think people were, were definitely interested in it. It's not You don't normally see films told from an engineer's point of view that stays with the engineer's point of view. Um, normally it's told, normally buildings are told through the architect's point of view. Mm-hmm. So it was important for us to tell it through the engineer's point of view because it's just a different way of thinking about buildings. Um, it's not necessarily the way they look, it's how they behave that an engineer is more interested in. So it's that kind of substructure that, we're, that we try to go towards. No, what uh, I couldn't help think, as, as you said that, was like the stereotypical view of the engineer is that they wouldn't have an artistic bone in their body. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> but you're breaking that mould. Um, so, under the current circumstances with COVID-19, it, normally in this situation you would have been able to come over to Toronto and you'd be able to meet people and it, you'd get the sense and the emotion that comes from something like this. It must be challenging when you're working on projects like this that are so dependent on putting yourself out in front of an audience that you're not actually able to connect with the audience. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not. I mean, it's... Um it definitely does lessen the experience, you know, from our point of view. Um, one of the best things about showing films, particularly in the film festival context, is that people come and people ask questions afterwards. Yeah. And that always produces um, questions in your own mind that there's no way you could have if you didn't have that interaction. Right. So it definitely is as a filmmaker, not just in the moment of showing the film, but also afterwards when you want to reflect a little bit on what you've done. It's always very, very useful to have had that kind of immediate response from audiences and unfortunately that's the thing that's going to be that you just won't get um, in this in this way in this sort of virtual way in this virtual festival but at the same time we're we're still very very pleased that the festival is going ahead and we're still very very pleased to be showing it hot dogs it's such a major documentary festival mm -hmm. and we're absolutely delighted to be accepted to be shown for this film to be shown in it um, and we were ultimately very pleased that they decided to go ahead with it this year as opposed to just cancelling it, which of course they would have been entirely in their rights to do. Um, so hopefully, I mean, all you can do is just hope that we get over to Toronto again sometime in the future with another film or um, in some other way anyway. That would be, that would be very nice. Yeah. But the positive side of it is that I don't actually have to go down to Toronto now to be able to watch it. <laughs> no, and I mean that in the best sense because it means yeah. that it is available to the whole of Ontario. Mm, mm, so mm, previously if, if it was a case of that you know in order to be able to enjoy this you would have had to find the time get down check the schedule and make sure it all worked the great thing and, and um, you know the EU f short film festival was just uh, held here in Ottawa mm. and it was done over Vimeo we were able to go in and watch at the time that suited us so I actually yeah. think it may give you a bigger audience than you may have yeah, had yeah yeah, so I mean, I think you're right. I think the online, and it's the same with literature. Um, you know, I think you know people are able to still um, take part in to a certain extent, certainly. And I think the numbers will be, you know, people can very easily log on, and, and the numbers will be probably you know comparable, if maybe not even slightly more than you know if you had to come and book a seat and that kind of thing. And that's true, that's for sure. But at the same time you do miss just the spectacular sense, yeah. the size yeah. and the scale and the sense of event uh, yeah. that goes with just going into an actual cinema space uh, itself. Um, so yeah, no, of course, there's absolute positives. Totally, totally, of course there are. And then, of course, there's also sort of other, other types of negatives as well. But, yeah. you know, that's just the way. So while that's this particular film, the current scenario must make your own work very difficult at the moment as well. Are you able to do anything constructive or productive much at the moment? At the moment, yes. Now, and that's only because I had, um, I'm working on a short film now, um, and I had done all of the recording in terms of voiceover, in terms of, it's about football, it's about football uh, in Britain. And I'd gone to England in late uh, January and I was recording all the football chants that I needed. Um, so I had the material, so now I'm able to actually just edit and work away on an edit now. But if I needed to go and shoot something, it would be an absolute no-go, mm -hmm. and that wouldn't work at all. So um, uh, it, 
yeah, it's definitely um, in one way it's good because you could just focus on this new film and work away and give more time to it than you might you might have been uh, you might not have been otherwise have been available. But on the other hand, I think if, if there were filmmakers who really had teed up to shoot through the summer, which we had, we had another project that Ferdinand and I were working on that we hope to shoot in the bogs in Ireland in uh, the summer near Offaly, and that's just had to be postponed for now, you know. Um, so it's good and bad. Right, right, right. we'll wrap up. It's been fantastic being able to have a chat with you and connect, and uh, I hope and I've no doubt that uh, the um, audience will be as large as it would have been had it been real, if not larger, as we said. And um, I look forward to seeing the movie. I haven't had the opportunity yet, and I wish every success and uh, also on the current project. Thanks a million, Adrian.